singing a love song to some girl in the cafeteria so loud that everyone stops and looks at you or you know running out on a basketball court and you know doing something really silly uh, today unless I have really really misunderstood the lesson we're not doing those kind of dares um, this first morning we're gonna talk about daring to be different uh, and I, this is gonna be something less about like right now I dare you to go do this today but it's more about, I dare you to kind of change your life. And so we're really going to talk about some, uh, some really cool stuff. I've got kind of two, oh, that's the wrong way. There it was. Um, I've got two main points that we're going to talk about to start out our morning. And what I really want us to look at is a couple of guys that were called by Jesus and kind of dared by Jesus to, to really change their lives. So picture with me real quick four fishermen. They're by the sea, and Jesus approaches them, and he says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And with these words, Jesus called them to leave everything that they had, their family, their safety, their possessions. And repeatedly after this, he would say, If anyone is going to follow me, he must deny himself. So in a world that we live in where everything revolves around me, Everything revolves around what we want. Jesus comes to these guys and he says, slay yourself. I dare you to die. And these guys go. And we know that through scripture and through tradition that these guys did just that. Not only did they die to their old life, they gave up literally everything that they had. But we know that, uh, that Peter was hung upside down on a cross and died. Andrew was crucified in Greece, James was beheaded, and John was exiled. These guys didn't just, you know, give up their lives. They literally gave up their lives. Everything that they had, every safety net they had ever been a part of, they gave it up, and eventually they gave up their own lives. But here's the thing. To them, and hopefully to you, it was totally worth the cost. 2,000 years later, how far from that are we? All right, it's pretty early. How many of you guys relate to this guy right now? Yeah, teenagers, Saturday, yeah. Um, this, is, this was David on the way here, the, the preacher that he'll be doing the adult class with me. Um, a couple times he was driving, and I had to, had to wake him up. Uh, it's, it was early morning. But I think somewhere along the way in, in churches, we had Peter, Andrew, James, and John, and we had the Acts, and we had people dying for their faith and spreading the gospel, and it's this rapid, rapid movement of the church throughout the world. And then somewhere along the way, we became this rather than that. Somewhere along the way, churches filled with supposed Christians that seemed to have just kind of a casual association with Christ. Somewhere along the way, we fell asleep to the actual dare that Jesus was putting out there for us in our lives. Scores of people have been told that becoming a follower of Jesus is just about believing certain truths or saying a certain prayer or, or even just going underwater for a few seconds and coming back up. But the life that Christ called us to is so much more than that. Disciples like Peter, Andrew, James, and John show us that the call to follow Jesus isn't simply just an invitation to be baptized. 
It's a summons to lose our lives. So today, I want to join with with Jesus and, and dare you right off the bat to lose our lives. Go with me to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. And this is, this is uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, so it's obviously talking about Jesus. In chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 18, it starts out, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. When it comes to following Jesus, what we find out here in just these few uh, these few scriptures right here is that when Jesus calls these guys, he's calling them to leave everything. Uh, when we talked about some of these same things with, with my teenagers, you know, I asked them to, to list out some things that they actually physically had to leave. Their boats, their nets, their houses, their family, their friends, their jobs. They literally left Everything. Can you imagine today leaving everything that you've worked for up to this point, leaving all of your family and friends, leaving everything that you have to follow somebody else? These guys dropped everything that they have. And yet today, we make excuses for just having to leave our house for a few hours to go to worship. We make excuses to, to having to just tell someone that we're Christians tell someone about Christ. What excuses today do Christians give to, to, give, to keep us from leaving everything behind and following Christ like these guys did? What has changed in these 2,000 years since those first disciples? Does Jesus still call us to leave everything and follow him? How many times have you guys seen this right here, plan of salvation? Uh, we talk about it all the time, this, this idea of how we kind of go into Christ, how we start our life with Christ. You know, we hear the gospel, we believe it, we repent, we confess, and we get baptized. And how many times do we focus so strongly on that last one? You know, it's down there by itself, that, that baptized. You know, we, we, we're studying with somebody and we're like, now, this and this and this, it's all cool, right? Don't you want to get baptized? Don't you want to get baptized? And, you know, we're, we're beating them over the head with this, this one moment that starts out their Christian walk. Now, hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. Baptism is where we start our life with Christ. That is where we meet Christ in the water and we come up a new creature. But I think that a lot of the time we miss out on the third word up there. That word, repent. And I think that that leads us to that guy falling asleep in the pews. I think when we tell people that Christianity is just about believing a certain thing or that it's just about getting into the water and coming back out of it, and we miss that word repent, we end up messing up. So what's that word mean, repentance? According to uh, the Illustrated Bible Dictionary, repentance occurs when a radical turning to God takes place an experience in which God is recognized as the most important 
fact of one's existence. Have you had that moment? Have you had the moment where you thought God is the most important thing in my entire existence? A lot of times when we, when we become Christians for the first time, when we're maybe young, a lot of times I think we miss this. That it's not just about like, okay, now I'm a Christian just like everyone else. It's not about just putting on a label and, and getting that. It's about realizing that God is our everything. That God is our life and I'm ready to give up anything for him. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus begins his ministry on earth by proclaiming, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. The word repent means to confess your sins and, and turn away from them. Uh, repentance is this rich biblical term that we like to just kind of skip over. The way that I, I was taught when I was, when I was young is that repentance is when you're walking this way and you completely turn around and go the other way direction. And I think that that's, that's true, but I also think that we got to be very, very specific in that repentance is not just turning the opposite way of where we're going, but it's turning in whatever direction Christ is in. Wherever God is, that's where I'm going to follow. So we have a call to follow Jesus, which leads me to my, to my, second, to my second point. Once we are called then we are to be transformed. This dare to be different is our, is, our, is our first lesson this morning. The way you are different is if you are transformed. So let me ask you this. Say, say me and you had lunch plans, okay? And I said, Matt, I'm going to meet you for lunch. There you are. Matt, I'm going to meet you for lunch at, at 12 o'clock. It's like 1.30. You're still waiting on me. And I come in, and I'm like, hey, man. Sorry, I was late, okay? I was, it was the craziest thing. I was on the side of the interstate. My, my tire went flat. I got out to change it, and I got hit by an 18-wheeler. I, I walked out into the road a little bit, an 18-wheeler, 65 miles an hour, hit me. I'm here now, though. All right. How many of you believe that story? If you do... You know, the old saying, I got, I, got some, I got some property to sell you, if you believe that, if you believe that story. Um, if I got hit by a Mack truck, by an 18-wheeler on an interstate going 65 miles an hour, I'm going to look a little different. I'm going to look a lot like those bugs that hit your windshield, most likely. When we come into contact with a Mack truck, we are drastically, drastically changed to the point that later people are going to be able to tell a difference in us. When we come into contact with Jesus, we should be drastically, drastically changed. In a way that when we came to somebody, they should immediately be able to tell a difference. So if I come into school one day after meeting Christ and being baptized and becoming a Christian, it shouldn't be one of these things where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian now, and people are like, nothing's changed. Because in the same way that if someone tells you that, just like someone tells you they got hit by a Mack truck, you should probably be skeptical. If someone's life hasn't been totally, drastically changed by coming into contact with Jesus, we should be skeptical. And people should be skeptical of us. Go to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. John chapter 15 
verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Each branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is that, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into a fire and burn. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Okay, what I want you to do is I want you to mark that verse for later. And later on, like tonight when you get home or whatever, I want you to reread this verse. But what I want to do really quickly, again, when I was talking about this to some of my teenagers, I realized that teenagers kind of this went like right over their heads. They're like vines and dressers. I don't even know what do grapes have to do with where I put my clothes at night. Um, and so what I want to do really quick is kind of explain, you know, what, what he's talking about here. All right. How many of you eat grapes at your house? Okay. Some of you. All right. Whenever I uh, was young, I had a brother, and uh, he, sometimes I would go to the fridge, and I would want some grapes, and I would pull it out, and there would be this little stick thing with no grapes on it. So obviously, my little brother had come in, and he had eaten all the grapes and put the empty stick back in the refrigerator. So you guys know, if you buy, if you buy grapes at the grocery store, you have, they come on this little stick, okay? So what that is, is actually a branch, okay? These little sticks that you get at the grocery store are the branch, and the grapes grow off of these branches. And what that connects to is a, is a much bigger vine, okay? So you have this big vine, you can kind of see it back in the back, and then you have the branches that come off of that that have the grape on them. So what Jesus is saying is that he is that vine, okay? He's, he's the big vine that the branches come off of, and that we are the branches, and he says that if the branch is connected to the vine, so if you've got just like no one has come and picked, picked these uh, grapes off of the vine, if you've got a healthy branch connected to a healthy vine, then you will have grapes. You will have fruit coming off of it. But if you see a branch that has no grapes on it, obviously you need to cut it off because it's not a true branch. It's not healthy. It's not actually connected to the vine. Because if it were, it'd be producing fruit. So what Jesus is trying to say here is that if you are connected to Jesus, you will produce fruit. So if you are connected to Jesus, you will be changed. And so you have this huge, this picture that, that Jesus gives here of a relationship between us and Christ and what comes of that. And he says that if, if you're not connected, you're not going to bear fruit. That seems obvious, right? You guys have grapes at your house. When the, when the grapes are off of it, it was it, for the reason I got so mad at my brother for putting the stick back in the, in the refrigerator, for putting that branch back in the refrigerator, it's because it's not going to grow any more grapes. It's done, right? It's not connected to the vine anymore. It's not going to grow grapes. 
We are supposed to be branches that are connected to Jesus in a way that is completely transforming to our lives. In a way that will produce fruit. So I think a really hard question we have to ask ourselves is, are we producing fruit? Okay, and, and we talk about fruit, we may talk about the fruits of the Spirit, those things, those things that make us different. But also we may be talking about producing other Christians, because you know how, how plants work, right? You have the, the grapes, they have the seeds in them, and they produce more plants. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we producing fruit? And if not, are we truly connected to Christ? Because there's no question here. This isn't a great, he's like, if you attach to me, you might produce fruit. Jesus says, you will produce fruit. And not only will you produce fruit, but if you're not producing fruit, my father is going to trim the branches. And if you are producing fruit, he's going to prune you so that you can produce more fruit. I think one of the problems that we get into is we think it's all about us. Christ says that if we're connected to him, we will produce fruit because the power is actually not in the branches, it's in the vine. So a couple, of, a couple of things that we can get from this imagery. As a disciple of Christ, you are united with Christ. That's awesome. As a, as a disciple of Christ, you get to be connected to Christ. And when you confess Jesus is our Lord, he changes everything in our lives. And three, as we abide in his word, as we connect to him through his gospels, we will produce fruit. John chapter 15 verse 10 says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's commands and remain in his love. This is a really, really cool scripture. I tell people as a youth minister, my biggest job is to go, hey, look at this scripture. Look how awesome it is. Um, and I don't, I'm not smart like David to have enough commentary, but I can do that. Um, he says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my father's and remain in his love. Jesus is comparing our relationship to him to his relationship with his father. God and the father their relationship is tight. I mean, they are both God. Their relationship is almost indescribable to us. And Jesus says, that's my relationship to you if you are a true follower of me. So I want to ask you this question. Do I really believe the word of God? I've got a quote up here when we are gladly willing to lose our lives to know and proclaim Christ, we have truly answered the call to follow Christ. So I want to dare you today. I want to dare you to lose your life. I want to dare you to follow Christ, not just in a way where you're like, yeah, I go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays, or yeah, it's a, it's a Saturday even. I get extra points because I went to a youth rally. But in a way where you say nothing else in my entire life matters except for Christ. So as we go through today, I'm sure we got a lot of great classes, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you guys again. But I want to just leave you with that, and I think we're going we're gonna to sing another song. I dare you to be changed.
Don't you wanna go to that land? Don't you wanna go to that land?